1: You've got to say, I'm a human being! God damn it! My life has value!
2: we get together, have a few laughs. Theo and TP here of the Iowa Talk Guys. We are bringing to you a little episode about the World Economic Forum.
3: A little bonus episode.
2: Yeah. A little little talk bit.
3: Yeah. If you haven't heard of the World Economic Forum, we're going to talk a little bit about talk. that and let you know who they are well not who they are but what they're about
2: well 10 things dystopian things that it's actually an article written um and published on the vigilant citizen.com mm-hmm. called the top 10 creepiest and most dystopian things pushed by the world economic forum all right it's uh all provided with sources and right videos and, it, and whatnot and, and, so go and, find this for yourself in previous
3: episode uh, a previous episode, we had talked about that book, uh, "Confessions of an Economic Hitman." I bought another copy. Of Did it. you get finally? Yes. Yeah, I need to get on it. I believe he was employed by the World Economic Forum, if I'm not cor- mistaken. Correct?
2: Um, I don't remember hearing about the World Economic Forum in that book. I should read it again. But no, I believe he was employed by a firm called Charles Maine out of Boston.
3: Oh, okay. I thought if I remember, I'll have to. I'll have to read the book again and go over it, but Mm -hmm. I thought there was some type of link there between the World Economic Forum. Could be. Probably. I mean, he was able to to get, yeah, these IMF loans and all this crazy stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which you can't get through without having association with the World Bank. Sure. And and the World Bank, aren't they connected with the World Economic Forum as well? I don't know. Well, we're going to have to do more research into this. Yeah.
4: If you're confused by the difference between the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, and the World Bank, well, you're not the only one. Famed economist John Maynard Keynes, who was a founding father of both institutions, said that he was confused just by their names. The IMF and the World Bank are closely linked. So close that their headquarters are across the street from each other here in Washington. So what's the difference between them? It all started at this hotel in New Hampshire in July 1944, where 44 countries gathered for the Bretton Woods Conference. The goal of the conference was to agree on a new framework for the international monetary system, which is the rules and institutions that keep the global economy running smoothly. After World War II, most people agreed that the old system had failed. It had seen the Great Depression, unfair trade policies, and unstable currencies. After three weeks of heated negotiations at Bretton Woods, especially between Keynes, who was representing the United Kingdom, and Harry Dexter White, the US Treasury representative, a deal was reached. The agreement created the IMF and the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, soon to be known as the World Bank. Each institution was given a distinct role. The IMF's job was to oversee a system of fixed exchange rates, which tied the value of a country's currency to the US dollar, which was pegged to gold. The main purpose of this was to make sure exchange rates stayed stable, to encourage global trade. The IMF was also tasked with providing short-term loans to countries struggling to pay their debts. Meanwhile, the main goal of the World Bank was to give financial assistance to countries, mainly in Europe, that needed to rebuild after the war. The roles of both the IMF and the World Bank have changed a lot since the days of Bretton Woods. President Nixon unpegged the US dollar from gold in 1971, essentially dissolving the fixed exchange rate system that the IMF oversaw. Since then, the IMF has taken on a bigger role fighting financial crises around the world. It keeps tabs on the global economy and puts economic policies in place in member countries. The World Bank focuses its efforts on development and reducing poverty. It provides funding and resources in projects in some of the poorest countries in the world. Both institutions include 189 member countries, but the IMF has around 2,700 employees, compared to the World Bank staff of 10,000. The IMF is funded mainly by quotas, basically subscription fees from member countries. It receives around $675 billion in quotas, with the U.S., Japan, China, and Germany contributing the most. The World Bank is financed mostly by issuing bonds to global investors. The group's lending commitments reached nearly $59 billion in fiscal year 2017. The IMF has committed $160 billion under its current lending arrangements. Today, the IMF's biggest borrowers include Greece, Ukraine, Portugal, and Pakistan. The places where the World Bank is running the most projects are in Africa and East Asia. One thing the IMF and the World Bank have in common is that they both have some opponents. Critics point to the conditions attached to their loans, saying they don't always address the specific economic issues within a country. The IMF has come under fire for continuing to bail out Greece, even as the country has failed to clean up its finances. Human rights groups have criticized the World Bank for ignoring the environmental and social impacts of some of its projects in countries like Ethiopia or Myanmar. But the IMF and the World Bank say they promote global economic stability, they make countries less vulnerable to crises, promote higher living standards, and provide vital help to countries that need it.
0: I stood in front of the Shah of Iran, the presidents of Indonesia, Ecuador, Panama, members of the Royal House of Saudi Arabia, and I've said something like, in this hand, I have millions of dollars for you and your friends if you play our game. In this hand, I have a gun, in case you decide not to. Now my words were more (laughs) diplomatic than that, but that was the message. I was an economic hitman. and We economic hitmen have created a new global economy, really, a form of capitalism that I call predatory capitalism. I would go to countries with resources our corporations covet, like oil. I'd arrange a huge loan to those countries from the World Bank or sister organizations, but the money wouldn't actually go to the country. It would go to our corporations, Bechtel, Halliburton, Brown and Root, familiar names, to build big infrastructure projects in those countries, and incidentally, make huge profits in the process. They'd build power plants and industrial parks, things that would benefit a few wealthy families in the country, the ones that own the industries. But the majority of the people would suffer. They would be left holding a huge debt they couldn't repay. So we'd go back and say, since you can't pay your debt, Sell your resource, oil or whatever, real cheap to our corporations. Privatize. Sell your utilities, your schools, your jails, everything like that to our corporations. And Claudine also told me that if the leaders of these countries refused my offer, people she called jackals would be right behind me. I didn't actually carry a gun, but the jackals did. Crush it and cross it, we'll it
3: forever!
2: The first, article. yeah, here's the first of ten things that they said, or have said. And the
3: World Economic Forum is the one of the most powerful organizations in the world. Yeah, so for the instance, most John Kerry years. was there this
2: year. Yep. There were Republican and Democrat politicians from the United States, from the, from from the House, from the Senate, over I believe.
3: Every major country.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: Developed country, I should say.
2: Leonardo DiCaprio has been there before.
3: I don't know why he's there. He's just a jester of the court.
2: Yeah, and they all fly on on jets. Private. Private jets while they while they, you know,
3: who help. knows, maybe Epstein. While they want took rations for us. The Lolita Express, who knows. <laughs> Anyways, getting into it.
2: So, yeah, the first is penetrating governments. Uh, The least one can say, it starts off, the least one can say is that Klaus Schwab, the founder of the head of the World Economic Forum, is a fan of democracy. In fact, he perceives it as an obstacle to a fully globalized world. So they have publications, one article on their website called Global Design that uh, talks about a self, quote, self Selected Selected. Coalition of Multinational Corporations and Governments, including through the UN system and Select Civil Society Organizations, CSOs. So that's not democracy. I'm not a a huge fan of democracy, but, you know, that's definitely not democracy either. Right. right. So, and that's where in 2017, uh, head of the... World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab said at Harvard's John F. Kennedy School of Government mm-hmm. that we're very proud. Uh, what we are very proud of is that we penetrate the global cabinets of countries with our WEF, World Economic Forum, young, young global leader. leaders like Trudeau. So, Justin Trudeau, we've talked about that. Yeah. Prior, we've, we've talked, about talked that a before. few times Putin, about Justin. Merkel.
3: You know. Yeah, Vladimir Putin, Merkel.
2: Apparently, the president all, of Argentina. Oh, Macron of France.
3: Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So all members of the young global leaders, the World Economic, the World Forum. Economic Forum. So yes, to, to so they're raising a whole generation of, of these global elitist these leaders. Global, commie. So, essentially, puppets for the World Economic Forum.
2: Global commie leaders. Yeah.
3: Klaus Schwab will uh, don't don't take it for our word. You can hear it right from the horse's mouth. We'll play the clip, but just to mind or uh, remind you, if, or let you know, if you don't, Klaus Schwab has a very thick German accent
2: or Austrian. Or, or Austrian. Where's he from? Klaus Schwab. Who knows? Who cares?
1: When you brought the Young Global Leaders Program here for Executive Education and then the Schwab Fellows. But there are two countries in the world now in which the Young Global Leaders have emerged. Tell us just a bit about that in terms of the governance. Yes, um, actually, this um, notion to integrate young leaders uh, <laughs> is part of the World Economic Forum since many years. And I have to say, um, When I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now, as a young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of of, uh, Argentina, and so on, is that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I would know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for are actually young global leaders of the world. Great, right. so, And that's true in Argentina too. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina and uh, it's through in France now. I'm a vice president with a young global leader, but what is important for me is those young global leaders have an opportunity to come here. and we, in addition to the young global leaders, we have now the Global shapers in 450 cities around the world.
3: Klaus Martin Schwab is a German engineer, economist and founder of the World Economic Forum. And he has acted as the WEF's chairman since the founding of the organization in 1971. So like we said before, this plan that's this things that are happening have been being planned out for quite a long time by these exact people attending the World Economic Forum and going through these programs that they have in their institutes Very and their penetration of governments. Yeah, and he even brags in that clip about how Justin Trudeau's, most of his cabinet members were also young global leaders, I I believe. Yeah, so... Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Very.
2: So the next is, and it sounds wacky, but it is number nine, controlling minds using sound waves. Mm Mm-hmm. One of the topics of discussion at the 2018 World Economic Forum was mind control using sound waves. Those are the exact words apparently used by the World Economic Forum. One yes. thing that they say
3: And they have an article on, on the World Economic Forum yeah. website about it.
2: And this is a quote from their article. I can see the day coming where a scientist will be able to control what a person sees in their mind's eye by sending the right waves to the right place in their brain. My guess is that the most objections is that most objections will be similar to those we hear today about subliminal messages and advertisements, only much more vehement. This technology is not without risks of misuse. It could be a revolutionary healthcare technology for the sick or a perfect controlling tool with which the ruthless control the weak. This time, though, the control would be literal. Hmm. Well, that's kind of creepy, actually.
3: Yeah, and I don't trust these people that they're out to help us.
2: Yes, and apparently the sound waves are already a technology that they're trying to use for Alzheimer's treatment.
3: Well sound has been being tried to use been has been being used as a weapon or tried to be used as a weapon for quite some time the darpa darpa created some sound wave technology that they were mounting to Humvees and stuff and they and in the invasion of iraq
2: darpa is a re- research element of the, the federal government what yes. is it like it's kind of like a black it's budget like project it's basically right? dark
3: yeah research projects and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like
2: yeah zero gravity and crap like that
3: robotics like boston they bought that company boston dynamics that was making those robotic dogs and stuff and everything oh they bought it yeah
2: oh wow that's crazy
3: insane yes Uh, as quote-unquote pack mules but then you watch video games like the call duty future warfare and they have those same things running around with cannons on their back
2: imagine that
3: weird probably coming to an ear
2: it's almost like they were designed for that yeah
3: yeah well and robots are going to be a lot easier to, you know kill without remorse. Well, they don't have a conscience. They're going to be controlled, too, most yeah, they, likely. But yeah,
2: they don't have a conscience. So that's pretty interesting. That's pretty scary.
3: Yeah, it's scary stuff. M- Number... Sound waves.
2: Eight. Numero ocho. Pills. Right? Yeah, right?
3: Pills that contain microchips. Yeah,
2: pills that contain microchips. Chips. Not chicks. Chips. Not
3: chicks. Pills that contain microchips. What's
2: this guy's name? Albert... The Al, yeah, Albert Borla.
3: Borla, yeah. The
2: CEO of Pfizer talks about pills that contain microchips. In 2018. Quote, yeah, quote, FDA approved the first electronic pill, quote unquote, if it can be if I can call it like that. It is basically a biological chip that is in the tablet and once you take the tablet and it dissolves into your stomach, it sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the, the compliance. compliance. Hmm. The insurance companies would know that the medicines that patients should take, the insurance companies would know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. It is fascinating what happens in this field.
3: That's pure evil. And yeah. once again, don't, don't hear it from us. Listen to it from his own voice. Yeah.
0: Other questions? see one right there.
1: Hi there. Uh, who Man Hacked Me? I run the Diabetes group for Medtronic.
2: Um, I have a question about patient engagement, and you had touched on this before. Um, all of these advances are amazing, but even if you make the greatest drug or the greatest wearable, there's no guarantee that the patient is going to take the drug,
1: <coughs> wear the device. So how are you thinking about technology to engage the patient? Again, maybe I will use an example. I think uh, it's fascinating what's happening in this field right now. I mean, FDA approved the first uh, electronic pill, if I can call it like that. So it is uh, basically a biological chip that it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, it sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, uh, compliance, Uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. But of course, there will Definitely. be an initial cost that someone needs to invest.
3: Hmm.
2: Actual communication between the medicine and insurance companies. Wow, that's weird.
3: That's kind of dangerous, especially yeah. when they are trying to force drugs down your throat that you don't want to take.
2: Yeah, that's pretty crazy.
3: I mean, it's still your body. It's your choice.
2: So. so they have praised massive lockdowns. Yes, uh, across
3: all over the world. They tried saying uh, that, you know, these lockdowns were carbon emissions were down 7%. You know, we should, yay. Could see the lockdowns significantly reduced human activity leading to Earth's quietest period in decades. Like that's something to be proud of and t- completely ignores the fact the mental health, the financial damage that happened to families, uh, all these things that negatively influenced humanity. They're just like, well, whatever. There weren't many cars driving around, so yeah, we're saving the planet yeah. somehow. Right.
2: We have to do something. Let our
0: powers combine. Earth. Fire. Fire. <laughs> With your powers combined, I
3: am... Klaus Schwab. Captain
2: Planet.
5: The power power is is mine, bitches. bitches.
2: There we go. Yeah.
5: Captain Planet, motherfucker.
2: The next one is... Take a peek at the future. Don't understand this one quite as much as the rest, but... This is... It's interesting. It does talk about how, apparently, uh, one of the videos on the World Economic Forum website talks about how nasa has invented a system that can id you from your heartbeat using a laser that's pretty crazy
3: yeah why is nasa working on that that's us uh they're supposed to be getting dollars. us on the
2: moon again or something
3: yeah or to mars or whatever Just get us through the van allen radiation belts safely yeah. so i don't understand why they're working on technology like that
2: to spy on with it, it could really spy on people
3: Yeah, it's insane. But they basically, they, you know, basically what this is saying, take a peek at the future, is they want the future to be more of the COVID lockdown scenarios. People masked up using QR codes, social distancing. Yeah. You know, all that fun stuff. And also there was recently, I I had read an article, or I'm sorry, heard an article about technology that can possibly predict an AI technology that can predict future crimes in cities, which Kinda is like minority report. Yeah. This is really getting, how can you accurately do that? You, so that's basically, they're going to say you committed a crime in the future. We're going to arrest you for it, even though you never committed this crime. Yeah, and so we like can't some, prove it. Just like, like some
2: third Reich stuff.
3: Yeah. it's insane.
2: It's crazy. So the next one is, promoting a great reset pushing for a great reset which i believe the great reset was kind of like using covid to reset world economy and get rid of capitalism
3: yeah they really want more control a more controlled government. yeah governing and body
2: one thing that the narrator says in one of their videos is and that's all about getting the right people in the right place at the right time to shove their stuff through and take the power. Right. Not the pow- the power part was uh, was my little quote there, but
5: The pandemic has radically changed the world as we know it, and the actions we take today as we work to recover will define our generation.
0: Oh, is the time to think what
1: history would say about this crisis.
5: 2020 has been challenging on a lot of levels. As economic, environmental and societal frailties have been laid bare, But it's also proved that when we need to, we can act rapidly and restructure our lives.
1: Recovery from the pandemic is an opportunity. We can see rays of hope in the form of a vaccine, but there is no vaccine for the planet. Nature needs a bailout. You don't want to go back to the status quo that you had before simply because it was the status quo that got us here.
5: With everything falling apart, we can reshape the world in ways we couldn't before ways that better address so many of the challenges we face and that's why so many are calling for a great reset a great reset that sounds more like buzzword bingo masking some nefarious plan for world domination hands up this kind of slogan hasn't gone down well but all we really want to say is that we all have an opportunity to build a better world And it's not surprising that people who've been disenfranchised by a broken system and pushed even further by the pandemic will suspect global leaders of conspiracy. But the world's not that simple. Every one of us has differing priorities, values and ideas. That's part of why solutions are so hard to come by. And why we all need to be involved in the decision making. Because whether it's politicians, CEOs, academics, activists or you. We're all about getting people together, even those you may not like, to sit down at the table and develop solutions that work for all of us. But...
1: We need enormous trust between the private sector and the public sector for this to actually work. That trust is hard to come by.
5: It's time for people to work together, listen to each other and build this trust so we can move towards a better world. And we really need one. Because while the pandemic affects us all, it's clear it affects some more than others. The first people who are hit are the people at the front, those who are vulnerable. It is those on the front line who take it first. And that is simply unacceptable. See, at the start of 2020, 1% of the world's population owned 44% of the wealth. And since the start of the pandemic, billionaires have increased theirs by more than 25% whilst 150 million people fell back into extreme poverty. And, with climate change set to dwarf the damage caused by the pandemic, the message from 2020 should be abundantly clear.
1: Capitalism, as we know it, is dead. This obsession that we have had with
2: maximizing profits for shareholders alone has led to incredible inequality and a planetary emergency.
5: But no one can do this alone. And top-down approaches won't get us anywhere. Because everything we've learned in our work has shown us that diverse voices lead to better results. And it's for these reasons that the forum talks about something called stakeholder capitalism, which would shift businesses away from just profit. Because if we want to change where the focus of our recovery will go, then we need a new dashboard for the new economy. And that needs to encompass people, planet, prosperity, and institutions giving people a real stake in the economy and putting well-being before growth. And that's all about getting the right people in the right place at the right time. We must rebuild our relationship with nature for the survival of the peoples and our planet. We have a window of time which is closing and we need everybody who cares to get together and find solutions now. It's the people who have great ideas and who share them with others they're the ones who are shaping the future so if you want to be a part of the change then tune in turn on and get involved follow the davos agenda
2: interesting
3: and apparently in the video that the world economic forum made it has uh there's a screenshot here that says daily news it's like a clip out of a magazine global elites plan for your future And then it has another still from the video of...
2: A gravestone.
3: Yeah, it says Capitalism R.IP 2020. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting.
2: So next, recalibrating freedom of speech.
3: Yes. Yeah, this one's...
2: Which one did you play the uh, Australian e-safety commissioner here? Julie Inman Grant, go ahead.
0: We are finding ourselves in a place um, where we're we have increasing polarization everywhere, <laughs> and everything feels binary when it doesn't need to be. So I think we're going to have to think about a recalibration of a whole range of human rights that are playing out online. You know, from freedom of speech to the freedom to you know to be free from on- online violence, or the uh, right of data protection to the right to child dignity.
2: Well, it's really interesting that we can't agree on what violence is especially online yeah because some people believe that words are violence
3: yeah which is stupid or silence is violence right yeah yeah but
2: a recalibration of freedom of speech that's really interesting
3: yeah so these global elitists would be the ones that were would be defining right what freedom of speech means
2: yeah that's pretty
3: which is kind of silly because how do you define freedom of speech freedom of speech is you you are allowed to say whatever you want without any repercussions So, I don't understand what's there to recalibrate about that. It's pretty straightforward.
2: You could only say approved thoughts.
3: Well, didn't that also happen in 1984?
2: The book 1984? The book
3: 1984 where they changed the definitions of words? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. That's been going on. Changed history. It's been going on quite a bit. Free speech is, in fact, binary. Either it exists or it doesn't, and uh,
2: they clearly don't want it to exist. So, moving on. Tracking your clothes. Using environmental reasons as an excuse. That's interesting. Hmm. Some of them would have, quote, digital passports, end quote. They can be traced.
3: RFID chips.
2: Backed by Microsoft. Wow. Yeah. These garments will apparently flood the market by 2025. Hmm. To quote the
3: article. What would be the purpose of doing that?
2: Wow. Yeah, they will allow fashion brands to resell their clothes.
3: Oh, so they can tax people on the reselling of their clothes online, probably. Hmm. Interesting.
2: It's pretty crazy. That's insane. So the next one is creepy. Yes. You should just play the video. All right. Well. And a go.
0: I wanted to ask when you all think we're going to move from this form factor to something that's on your face glasses and compu- when computing's all on the edge. All
1: right. 50 seconds. Who wants to answer quickly?
3: I think it will go It, it will. – first of all, it will definitely happen. I, 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 I was talking about 6G earlier, which is around 2030. 20, 20, I would say that by then, definitely the smartphone as we know it today will not anymore build be the usual, kind of the most common interface. Wow. This, many of these things will be built directly into our, our, our bodies.
2: Hmm. That was Nokia CEO, Pekka Lundmark.
3: Yeah. Technology built directly into our bodies. Sounds cool. Sounds yeah. like
2: some Matrix stuff. Oh, man. At cool. Just plug in. That was at this year's World Economic Yeah, that was
3: 2022.
2: That's pretty interesting.
3: That's not good, people. Transhumanism, wow. turning your, mixing man with machine, I don't think is a good thing.
2: Yeah, that's just creepy.
3: Yeah. Considering...
2: Have there ever been any good movies about that happening?
3: Mm. No, don't think so.
2: So here's the cherry right on top. Number one, numero uno here, is a quote from an article by Ida Auken, a member of the Parliament of Denmark. It says, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, I have no privacy, and life has never been better. End quote. (laughs) <laughs> That's even more creepier. That's
3: what, yeah, what kind of a psycho would actually be like, oh, yeah, govern me harder, daddy.
2: Oh, and my phone that they can track everything on, which is hardwired into my brain, can be tracked. So yeah. all of my thoughts essentially are recorded. Or That's shut off, yeah. Like yeah.
3: I won't be able to buy, sell, or trade. Hmm. And I'm going to be happy about it.
2: An article yeah. on the World Economic Forum's website explains, quote, I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes, end quote. Writes Danish NP Ida Auken. Shopping is a distant memory in the city of 2030, whose inhabitants have cracked clean energy and borrow what they need on demand. It sounds utopian until she mentions her, very her, that her every move is tracked and outside the city... Live swaths of discontents. The ultimate vision of a society split in two. Hmm. Creepy. Yeah. Creepy sauce.
3: Yeah, that's... But this is the world that these people want us to be living in. They don't want you to own anything. They want you to live in a mega city. The whole, these are also the push, people that are pushing the overpopulation myth.
2: These are also the people pushing the honorable mention in this article, which is the individual carbon footprint tracker we have already played for you in prior episode in the sound clip Mm -hmm. of Alibaba Group President J. Michael Evans boasting about that. At the World Economic Forum. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's all about control. Yeah, they're planning on, you know, Making us transhuman, having phones implanted into our bodies—it's uh, not good, folks. You know these aren't our words; they're theirs. And
3: yeah, and the only way that we can stop this, as uh, as a human group, as a country, is—and in the—in this article, he says these two. There's two steps that he has here. The first step would be to elect at all levels of government representatives that want nothing to do with the World Economic Forum. We have to get the ones that are aiding and abetting and doing the beckoning of the World Economic Forum out and get politicians in there. Which, yeah. It's way harder.
2: I can't remember the names, but there were Republicans and Democrats yeah, that went I, yes. from the at least the House representatives, so.
3: Yeah, if, if our elected officials treated the World Economic Forum as the rogue, illegitimate organization that it is, its influence would be greatly reduced. And I agree with that statement. Yeah. And now the second part of how, how do we combat this would be to boycott every company that is a part of the World Economic Forum. I realize this is easier said than done because many of these companies are virtually monopolies, right? Amazon. Yeah. Microsoft. Alibaba. However, if we stop giving them our money, they'll stop using our money to poison our lives.
2: Easier said than done. but Way easier said than done. You know,
3: it's... But, you know, put your money where your mouth is. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, all the stuff with the sports and everything. You want it to change. You want to stop seeing politics in your sports. Stop spending money on it. And yeah. I don't care how woke they are. Once their bank accounts start reflecting that they're not making any more money... I don't care how woke that company is. What? They're yeah. gonna change their mind.
2: I think woke is starting to go broke in a lot of cases. So, yeah. CNN for sure. <laughs> yes,
3: I just saw they had the the lowest rating since '93. Next, we'll hear they're gonna have the lowest rating since 1984.
2: Excellent segue into an ending. Yeah. So there's <clears throat> there's the creepy
3: ten creepy things about the uh, dystopian thought process or
2: from dot com.
3: yeah check it out for yourself it's a good article you heard a lot of it. you know we were able to play some sound clips for you that you can hear, hear the stuff and uh yeah you should be informed about this because these these are the people that are planning our lives and we never elected any of them
2: these are the people that were running simulations for a, an outbreak in the fall of 2019 Yep, interesting mm-hmm Crazy, so, crazy timing.
3: Yeah. But if you want to hear more about Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, let us know. Klaus
1: Schwab.
3: So follow us on Twitter at Iowa Talk Guys. And you can drop Theo and I an email. We'll have that in the description as well. But mine's T E E P E E at IowaTalkGuys.com.
2: And I'm Theo. T-H-E-O at iowatalkguys.com
3: Yeah, so we'd like to hear your guys' feedback. Let us know. Hopefully we'll be in touch. T-P and Theo out. Take care, guys.